This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Let's pray for those people. God, I thank you so much for what you are doing in LifeGate Church. I thank you for the many, many volunteers, more than Dave and Sarah and Rachel and so many more that offer time to make a difference, God. And I I thank you that we can celebrate that um, in the life of our church today. And now, God, I pray that you'll give all of us eyes to see and ears to hear where you're moving and how it is that you can make a difference in each of our lives today as we sit in your presence. Speak to us, God. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you guide us and that you're drawing us near. And that you never fail us, as we declared earlier today, God. I thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, Welcome to those online. I haven't officially welcomed you yet. Um, It's a privilege to speak to all of you today. And uh, as I've already said, and Nathan has shared, I'm the kids pastor here. And really, really excited to share with you what God has put on my heart today. And interestingly, in this rain, I'm going to start with a bit of a a water sport story. (laughs) When I was younger, my family, we got invited to Barony Bay in the Sutherland Shire, where my dad's cousin uh, had sailboats, and they used to run Friday night sailing events for the family. Just a bit of fun, and we got invited along. Now, I thought this was be awesome, sitting on a boat on a Friday night, chatting with family, wind taking us off on an adventure. It was awesome. So we got a quick brief by the captain. I didn't really listen to it because my belief was the captain did everything and I just sat and enjoyed the ride. So I discovered later that there's much more to sailing than I first realised. And I am very unqualified to give you a sailing lesson, but I just want to point out a few parts of the boat that will help... Um, make more sense for you today as I'm speaking. So the bow there, you can see, is the very front part of the boat. That's important for us today. The mast is that really tall pole that holds the sails. The main sail is the sail at the back, and the jib is the sail at the front, and they're held on that mast. Now, it's really important that those sails are positioned properly to capture the wind or to not capture the wind. They can be put up or down, um, moved side to side to capture the wind and take you in the right direction, keep you on course, um, and to steer the boat in the right direction and speed that you want. Now, this is where the boom comes into play. So the boom is that long pole underneath the mainsail. And sailors use a term called tack, which is where they move the boom from one side of the boat through to the other. So when the captain calls out, tack, the whole crew work together to untie the sail, pull it through the boat and retie it to secure it, and then to redirection the boat. I can see a few people looking at me because they know they're sailors. Never I can see. Well, anyway, I was sitting here on this little boat chatting away, and the captain cries out, tack! And I'd forgotten that, what that word meant in my two-minute briefing that I didn't actually listen to. And before I realised, 
I got whacked in the gut by the boom, and we sent the boat a little bit off course. And thankfully, the captain was really good, but wasn't quite fast enough to get us back on course without bumping into another boat. We got disqualified from the race, and I was not invited back. I grew, became an adult, got married. My husband got invited. I didn't get invited back. Anyway, <laughs> so what happened to the boat that we got crashed into? It, look, I can't say crash. We bumped. There was actually no damage, uh, and it didn't go anywhere because it was moored in the bay. A moor, for those who don't know, is like a car park for boats. Uh, here's a picture of Baronia Bay. Um, and you can see that there's a marina, a walkway marina, where lots of boats get tied to. But then there's some boats that are further out. And to moor them, you need an anchor. An anchor is a heavy object. I was reading and studying, looking ready for this message. And when I picked this up, I was like, it's really heavy, which I was surprised by, but then shouldn't have been surprised by, because it's a heavy object. And it's designed to go down and to anchor your boat in place. And if it's done properly, have a look at this guide. So we've got this anchor that is down, dug into the sand, then it's connected to a really heavy chain which helps to weigh it down. Then it's connected to a lighter chain that comes up through the water, which is connected to a buoy, which is then attached to the boat. And if all those things are connected properly, with that anchor sunk in deep, it will moor the boat and it will keep it steady in the changing tides and in storms. Whether you're in the marina or if you're out to sea. Now, captains put their hope in that anchor to hold them steady in a storm. It can be their lifeline and it helps to hold the bow, the front of the ship, facing the storm because this will diminish the force of the wind and waves. If the anchor is thrown off to the side or the back, that can send the boat rolling. But they send it on the front and you face into that storm. In a really big storm, you might even have a second anchor at the back to keep that bow facing directly into the storm. But we're not all sailors here and we don't put our hope in an anchor, but we all hope in something. Now, earlier this year... I found myself anchoring my hope into my schedule. Now, you'd think 2020 would have taught me to go with the flow a little bit, but my very full life craves routine. And at the beginning of 2021, my husband Mark, my three children and myself all started something new. Something's little, something's big, but we all took on something new. And so routine looked like chaos. And I found myself a little bit stressed. And when I heard comments from one of my daughters saying, Mom, stop yelling at me, I realised I wasn't actually yelling at them, though I was yelling at them, but I was yelling at the chaos around me that I couldn't keep under control. I was anchoring my hope in this schedule, but it wasn't even a schedule, it was a blueprint of something I was hoping, that kind of wish hoping that Nathan talked about at the beginning of this series, hoping that it would work. But anchoring here was just leaving me tired and stretched and stressed and overwhelmed. But recently, I felt really challenged by God 
to surrender my schedule to him and to just come back and refocus, fix my eyes on Jesus. And as I sat with him, as I read my Bible, as I remembered all that I have learned, I remembered that I have an inheritance in heaven, not in my to-do list. That he is for me, not against me, even if my children are. That nothing can separate me from his love, even if I am failing to love well those people around me. I remember that Jesus came to offer abundant life, not a life of stress and expectation, and that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So that even if I am a roller coaster of emotions, He is not going anywhere. And when I put my hope, when I anchor myself back to Jesus, I find myself able to breathe again. And when I do, the routine still doesn't work, but I work in the midst of it. And it is all dependent on where I anchor my hope. So I asked a moment ago, what do you hope in? And if you're brave enough, you could put it in the chat if you're watching online. But many people will put their hope in money, friends and family, their health, good works that they do, their status or in social media. But today, I want to encourage you to put your hope in Jesus. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says that he's the author and the perfecter of our faith, the starter and the fisher, finisher, the creator. He is writing our story. And this is what the author of the Hebrews was encouraging the early church to do. And we're going to look at Hebrews today. So if you want to turn to that in your Bibles, we're going to skim through the first five chapters and land in chapter 6. While you're finding that, let me get you a little bit of background. This early church was living under huge persecution. And these people really thought these were the last days, the end times. Last year I heard a lot of people asking that question, is this the end? Well, the Hebrew church, these people, this early church were asking, is this the end? But the author encourages them to keep their faith in God. Because under the trials and persecution, they were lacking confidence in his promises. They were losing hope. And in chapter 1, he says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He has spoken to us. Jesus, his son, the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. He completed his mission on earth. And after he'd done that, he has now risen and at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is the son, people who is speaking to you, the author is reminding them. That Jesus is the pioneer and the of their salvation. Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we, the author is reminding them, we are his house. If indeed we hold firmly our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Remember, 
that you can hope in the promise that because of salvation through Jesus, and if you have accepted that salvation, you are part of the family, the house of God, sons and daughters in the kingdom of heaven. The author's reminding these people, remember this. And again, he reminds them that Jesus is a great high priest who has ascended into heaven. So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He's saying don't run from Jesus. Run to Jesus. Draw near. Hold tight. Anchor down. Straight towards Jesus. And hold on to that hope that Jesus is who he says he is. And that he is where he says he is. And this is where we land in chapter 6. After this encouragement, in chapter 6, he reminds them in verse 10 that God will not give up on them. So we want each of you, it says in verse 11, to show this same diligence to the very end. So that what you hope for may be fully realised. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now, we all know what happens when you get lazy in the boat. You get a boom in the gut. And maybe you're sitting here today and you've been hit in the gut with a boom and you're off course. Or maybe you're holding on tight, but you've been holding a really, really long time. These inverses are encouraging us, be diligent. Hold on, because it is through faith and patience, trusting in his faithfulness, in the waiting, that we will inherit the promise of God. So imitate those. Who? Who are those? Can you think of someone in your life who you have seen wait with faith and patience. I've shared before um, that a number of years ago, I had a couple of dreams about some friends of mine who would have children. And I had to hold on those dreams for five years before I held those children. And there were times where it was hard. And I was like, Is, did I see it right? But I held to those promises. And last year, I held three babies that I'd seen. In Hebrews 6, the author reminds, encourages the people to look to Abraham. Now, Abraham had to wait 25 years for his home promise. He said that when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And after waiting patiently... 25 years, waiting patiently, that's good patience, (laughs) Abraham received what was promised. Now, people swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. 
Okay, so God was pretty serious about this. When I first read it, I said, why an oath and a promise? I thought they were the same thing. But I had a little look, and a promise, by definition, is a legally binding declaration given to a purpose who has the right to expect or claim that promise. That made me rethink how often I use the word promise from now on. So I give, God has given that promise to Abraham. He can expect to claim the performance of that. An oath is a solemn, usual calling on God, and in this case, God swore by himself, to the sincerity of which that person intends to do what he says. So the promise is given, and that person can expect to receive. And an oath is a declaration of the sincerity of what I've just said. So why a promise and an oath? It says here in verse 17, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. His unchanging purpose to rescue people from their sin. And so God did this so that by these two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled away, no, we fled to Jesus to take hold of the hope set before us, may be greatly encouraged. We can be greatly encouraged. We can hope that God cannot lie and that he keeps his promises. And we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. This hope we've looked at in Hebrews, that salvation is through Jesus. This hope that I am part of God's family this hope that Jesus is seated in heaven and he entered there on my behalf, that we can draw near to God and enter his throne room with confidence. This hope that God keeps his promises. This is the anchor. It carries weight. This steadies me. So where do I place this anchor? In the boat? In my schedule? In my health? In my husband? <laughs> Sorry, no, not like that. <laughs> no, I throw it into the inner sanctuary, behind the curtain, beyond where I can see. Now, for the people reading this, this early church, they knew the temple. The inner centuries, that part behind the curtain, the holy of holies, where they couldn't go, they couldn't see, deep in the temple. This was the place where only the priests could go. And this is the place where Jesus now is, standing on our behalf, and we are invited to draw near, to throw that anchor in 
and to have it sink deep in the sand beyond where we can see and anchored to Jesus there, we're not going anywhere. But hang on a minute. What's the anchor going to do good to me over there? It's just, I'm just going to float away. In verse 12, remember it said, it is through faith and patience that you will inherit, receive God's promises. And it's as we wait for this hope to be fully realized that faith and patience grow. And our faith and patience grows and we attach that to our hope. Now, before I make a big mess, and that's what holds our anchor firm and secure. So without that anchor attached, it's not going to help me. But throw it in and keep attached through faith and patience, that's what holds me firm and secure. So how do faith and patience grow? By knowing the promises of God. By reading his word. By knowing the history. People like Abraham and the faithfulness of God. And from that knowledge, believing the promises of God. And creating beliefs around those promises and around the character of God. Now, if we have a look at Hebrews, so far we can see that I'm anchored by five promises. So salvation is through Jesus. I am part of God's family. Jesus is seated in heaven. He entered there on my behalf. I can draw near to him. God keeps his promises. That anchor's not going super deep yet. But it definitely is heavy. Matt, if you can change the slide for me. Nathan, a few weeks ago, reminded us of more promises. Let's see what this does to our faith. God will never leave you. You ready for it? They're heavy, hey? These promises, they have weight. He will provide all our needs. We have forgiveness of sin. God is no longer angry with you. You are accepted and loved and part of his family. Are there any more promises? We have eternal life. God has promised comfort that he will work all things for good, that he is transforming us, and that he has good works for us. His anchor is getting deeper. And at the beginning, I told you that as I realigned myself, that I remembered that my inheritance is in heaven, that God is for me, not against me, that nothing can separate me from his love, that he offers abundant life, that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. This is going to hold firm and secure. This is heading deep. We sang this morning, great is your faithfulness. God, you've moved the mountains. I will see you move them again. Great is your faithfulness. Do it again, God. And so you can see how our hope 
gets firm and secure as our faith and patience grow by knowing and believing the promises of God. Now, this anchor, and for those who are online, you can't see the anchor now. It has gone beyond where you can see. Deep into the inner sanctuary where Jesus stands on our behalf. And with my eyes faced on Jesus, as I come to that throne room, I can face these storms of life head on, knowing that I am anchored. God wanted the Hebrew church, the, the, the early church, the Hebrew people, to be assured that they can have this hope as an anchor for their soul. And he wants us to know that we can have this hope as an anchor for our soul. We need all three. We need the chain. We need faith and patience. We need this anchor. We need hope. And we need Jesus, the ground, the sand that we sink deep into. And with all these parts properly connected, we can have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary, behind the curtain, beyond where I can see, where our forerunner Jesus is. He entered there on our behalf. So I asked you, if you know the promises of God, if you believe the promises of God, if you anchor to Jesus while that faith and patience grow, if you anchored that hope to Jesus, how would you see things like your money? You'd remember that God will provide all you need. That when you look to friends and family, whatever's happening there, you know that I'm part of God's family. That when my health is failing, I know that my inheritance is in heaven and that God has promised comfort. That the good works are those that he has planned for me. And when I find myself looking for status and social media, I remember that actually with an inheritance in heaven as a child of God, part of his family, that I am royalty. Now, I started telling you of a story of my sailing experience where I didn't listen to the briefing. And if you want to inherit the promises of God, we have to listen. We need to be open to what he's saying to us. We need to surrender the parts of us that aren't anchored to him and to realign ourselves face forward to Jesus. Now, this first happens when you commit your life to Jesus. Salvation is through Jesus. We are saved when we believe that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us and rise again to offer us life, asking his forgiveness and committing to follow him. And then you can receive this hope. And as you continue to live your life following him, faith and patience grow. And if that's you today, I would love to pray with you right now and give you that opportunity to commit 
your life to Jesus and to begin a life of hope. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you that he came to die and rise again to offer life. I'm sorry for living life my own way. I'm sorry for putting my hope in the wrong places. Please forgive me. I choose to follow you, Jesus. I choose to anchor myself to you, Jesus, and to live a life following you and learning about you and believing the promises. And as faith and patience grow, to become firm and secure in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed to commit your life to Jesus today, welcome to the boat. <laughs> and it says a little later in Hebrews, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. So I'd like to say goodbye to our online church. If you want to reflect on what God is saying to you, I prayed at the beginning that your ears will be open, your eyes will be open. Whatever God is saying to you, reflect on that and share that in the chat. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.